Welcome to the EMSO Talks podcast. Welcome to EMSO Talks. I'm Heather Kennedy and I'm head of product management at EMSO. Today we have a slightly different topic than our previous podcasts. As many of our investors and counterparties know, EMSO is involved with a few charities that work in emerging markets across the globe. Today I'm joined by the CEO of the Halo Trust, James Cowan, and EMSO's CIO and founder, Mark Franklin, to chat about the work that Halo does and why we at EMSO are so supportive of that work. Good morning, Mark and James. Good morning. Good morning. So to start off, um, Mark, maybe you could give us a bit of background on the ethos of EMSO's charity work and sort of how we've picked the charities that we do support over time and kind of why we've we picked them. Okay, well, sure. I mean, obviously over the past 20 years, we've been investing uh, across many regions of the emerging markets. Um, and as you get deeper and deeper involved with the various countries in terms of the opportunities set from investments, you also see a great deal of the needs. And I think it's an incredibly important process for EMSO and an incredibly important ethos to have as a company is that we try to give back a little bit from where we are being involved uh, as an investor. Um, and, you know, we've always are on the lookout for organizations that are doing a superlative job in terms of bettering the lives of people and improving the environment and improving, um, you know, education and, and, and empowering women, um, which is which is very important uh, from an emerging market aspect. And one of the charities that really just checks all the boxes for us is Halo. Um, they just do fantastic work, and I've personally been able to travel to some of the countries we invest in where they're doing work, like Angola, um, where they're uh, really making an impact on the environment, an impact on improving people's lives, an impact on helping empower women. Um, so that's that's why why we you know it's just a perfect example mm-hmm. of a charity that really resonates with the whole firm. And maybe this is a great point, James. Could you maybe give us the elevator pitch for Halo? Sort of give us, for people that may not know the in detail the work that you do, sort of give us the background on that? Yeah, thanks, Heather. Um, well, the Halo Trust is the world's oldest and largest NGO that tackles conflict. Um, Enzo deals with emerging markets, and in a sense, we are the frontier markets. We're in those countries that uh, have been af- affected by conflict. And our work is to clear up after conflict, um, removing landmines, removing improvised bombs, uh, tackling small arms, dealing with armed violence. Um, I think our work is is pretty straightforward, really. We save lives and we restore livelihoods. Um, it's clean metrics. Uh, you know what you're dealing with here. Um, you know, if, if you fund the work we do, you, you know you can clear a particular hectare of land. Uh, it's visible work. You can come and visit it. Uh, we, we like to have our supporters come and see what we do, um, maybe blow up a landmine and come and visit one of our many countries as Mark has done. And I think it's also quite um, acceptable work. We live in an age where people question the value of overseas aid. And I think that our work is, is a sort of gateway to uh, help the public understand that actually some of this is very, very necessary work. And what's so different is it's very measurable. It's, you know, charity work is not always measurable in the way that it is with the work that you do. And that's, for us, I think, that's really resonated with our with our colleagues. Um, you know, people, when you've done presentations to us internally, I think people are just astounded by some of the stats that you've given in terms of land cleared, actual mines cleared. I mean, it's really, really impressive. 
I, well, thank you for saying that. And I think it is um, the metrics do count and do uh, speak for themselves. If you go to Zimbabwe, um, these are landmines laid 40, 50 years ago by the Rhodesians. And um, we, are, we are clearing about 30,000 of those landmines a year. It's an extraordinary number. It's almost more than there are cleared in any other country in the world. And, but when those landmines are gone, there will be no more landmines in uh, modern Zimbabwe. All those Rhodesian mines will have disappeared. And that will be an extraordinary achievement. You can't say that about other things. You know, malaria and education, these are, I think, arguably more important. But they're much less uh, uh, tangible and the metrics are less clean mm-hmm. or measurable. Now, you had a big milestone recently in Zimbabwe, right? That a certain area was cleared completely can you can you give us a bit of yeah so Mount, Mount Darwin is up in in the north east of the country on the Mozambican border mm-hmm. um, we've just finished clearing there I mean it's a fabulous achievement I mean these are some of the densest minefields in the world I mean only in uh, places like Cambodia and uh, between the two Koreas are there denser minefields so it, it's an extraordinary technical achievement because these are not Soviet landmines which are quite straightforward these are um, Rhodesian and South African landmines, which are quite sophisticated. So there's huge numbers of them and and very, very dangerous. It's phenomenal. And I know that, Mark, that's really resonated with you, the fact that once you clear, it's clear, it's sure. done, it's finite. And that's... Well, it allows the farmers to return to their farms. It allows the communities to not walk through uh, a minefield on their way to school. Yeah. I mean, it's really pretty important. And I think the other thing that I find very interesting is there are a lot of countries where they're currently active, where we're also investing as active investors. Sri Lanka, the Ukraine, Colombia, Angola, mm-hmm. and all these countries. We, we've always been an active investor and all four of those countries, Halo has active programs. And obviously, it's, you know, the one that's probably most current is still an active conflict is the eastern border of Ukraine, the Donbass. Um, but equally, you know, the histories of, of Colombia, the histories of Angola, the histories of Sri Lanka and their historic conflicts. It's, it's fantastic to see a charity like that still be able to make an impact mm-hmm. on, the, on the local communities. Uh, in, in these countries, which, as I say, is something that I think is very important to, to support as a firm. And one of the other aspects that I think has really resonated with us at EMZO has been um, the involvement of women and the how your programs do employ and empower women in a way that is just, you know, in the world of ESG today, it's phenomenal. Um, could you maybe give us a bit of background on that and sort of the programs around the world and how that how you guys are nurturing that um, that idea? Yeah, I mean, you, you would probably have imagined, and you'd have been right to have imagined, that it was a very male-dominated world. I mean, it's highly um, physical labour, mm-hmm. um, extremely hot. Um, our people have to work in very arduous circumstances. So people kind of assumed it had to be done by men, I think. But why? I mean, actually, um, the women who now work for us in their thousands are incredibly competent and tough people. But it's not just the women that we employ, it's the female beneficiaries of our work. Because many of the women who are then able to farm this land are single heads of household. There's no man in their life because often the men have been killed. And so they have a, a hugely disproportionate um, a benefit from this because uh, very often they live in, in the most abject poverty. Uh, and we create the conditions for them to build a farm and to live and to bring up their children and to have a happy and prosperous future. Mm-hmm. It's just phenomenal. It's really, and some of the stats around your programs are it's like 50% women in some of your programs that, that are employed. Yeah, and you know, I'm 
I, I used to be a soldier in another very male world, but I've made it my sort of target to get to a 50% female workforce. And we've achieved that in countries as different as Colombia and Cambodia and Sri Lanka. There are countries where it's harder, absolutely. Um, we've just gone back to work in Afghanistan, which is our biggest program, and everyone will be conscious how difficult it is to employ women there. Mm-hmm. But funny enough, actually, all our women are now back at work there. Um, and they, they may not be there in huge numbers, but their role is to do with survey and education and um, they play a really fundamental part in uh, making sure that we clear minds from the right place. It's phenomenal. Now, the other aspect of ESG, which is a bit more applicable to our world in, in finance, is your, the idea of the impact bonds, which I know it's pretty cutting edge for a charity to be thinking about this. And I know you're, you're just starting to explore it, but do you want to give us a bit of a background on sort of the kind of the beginning stages of where you are and what you're thinking about with with kind of the aspects of that? So I think the, the obvious connection between um, what we do and, and, and your world is that you are emerging markets. And, you know, with, with the presence of landmines, a country is abnormal. It is, uh, it is affected by conflict. So by clearing that, we create the conditions for the normalization of an economy and a thriving um, investment opportunity. But the problem is that we are seeing is the traditional donors to our work, the big states, United States, United Kingdom, European Union, are declining. And we need to find new and innovative ways of funding our work. And I believe that the ESG revolution, which Mark has encouraged me to to look into, is a a really exciting opportunity. And uh, there is a lot of money to be invested, a lot of investors who want to sit put uh, to work in an ethical uh, way, and I believe that there is nothing better uh, than to, to invest in the clearance of landmines in order to normalize a, a country's future. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at it from an ESG standpoint, they really check the E, the S, um, and the G. I mean, from an environmental standpoint, by just clearing the landmines, allowing the, the land to be productive again or used by communities, mm-hmm. to me is incredibly important. Um, you know, from a social standpoint, just in, in engaging with uh, the, the communities that have helped them demine, but also providing employment and allowing for communities to, to continue to thrive is is a great uh, great effort, including some of the school work they've done and education work they've done in, in some of the areas they've been working. And then from a governance perspective, I mean, all the governments of these countries know they're there and they're many times working with them. And I think it's an also the encouragement of the transparency of those governments to help an organization like Halo uh, be able to be effective and find the mines and, and get rid of them. So I, from my perspective, it also really is, is something that I think has a big impact on all, all the, the, the aspects of what we need to think about. Mm-hmm. So just to add to what Mark has just said, I think what Halo, the Halo Trust and other uh, NGOs who are interested in um, the ESG world is the advice that we need about the, um, the, the various mechanisms by which this can be operationalized and turn into a practical reality. So for those who listen to this podcast, we would really welcome hearing from people who can advise us on how to take this forward. Well, I think that's a great place to actually wrap up. So Mark and James, thank you so much for your time and uh, really appreciate kind of learning more about Halo. And, you know, as James said, we if anyone, you know, would like to reach out, please reach out to Enzo and we will connect you with the Halo team. Thank you very much. Could I have just finished by saying thank you to both Mark Franklin and to Enzo for your incredible support for our life-saving work. Thank you, James.